everyone and welcome to the Priceless Podcast. This podcast is made in partnership with the European Forum of LGBT Christian Groups. My guest today comes all the way from Uganda. He's right now he's in Kenya um, and he's helping Ugandan LGBTIQ plus people to be safer, but we'll talk more about this uh, during our interview. My guest is Pastor Ram Gava. Hello, Ram, and welcome to the Priceless Podcast. Hello, Mika. I'm very grateful to be here on this platform. My name is Pastor Ramadan Kawamutiava, but famously known as Ram Gava. And Ram is really a short form of my name, Ramadan. So they call me Ram since I was a child because of the wrong name, Ramadan, which is a Muslim name. Then uh, with my Christian life, it's Ram that makes it better. So I'm Ram Gava. Gava is my name too. Yes, and I'm humbled to be here. I'm an executive director of Wave of Legacy Alliance Initiative. Uh, I'll just say that in the introduction, but I'll say much in details as time goes on. And I'm also a founder and a senior pastor of the Adonai Inclusive Christian Ministries and a farming and inclusive ministry in Uganda, but serving and covering the whole of East Africa. I'm humbled to be on this channel and my friend Mikhail, I'll be here for anything. I don't know, that was my introduction. And it's very true, like you said, I'm a Ugandan and I come from Uganda, but I've reached at what is happening to our community. Uh, Uganda has just almost has just all people identifying as LGBTQ persons and not only the people who identify as LGBTQ people but also the families the mothers now imagine a mother who is ident who identifies as a, an LGBTQ person leaving the, the children home and also children leaving parents home to run for life so it's terrible but we are grateful to have peaceful platforms like this very one I'm humbled thank you for taking the time and for being willing to share your story I think that a lot of people all over the world are looking at Uganda and they're kind of questioning what is happening <laughs> and they're scared for the LGBTIQ people that are there so can you share with us your sexual orientation and gender identity so my sexual orientation is a gay person in Uganda and also my gender, I'm one in the world that doesn't identify to any gender. I'm not a male, I'm not a female, I'm just Ram and that makes me a non-binary person. I don't conform to any gender, I'm just me as a human being. I would like to know, and maybe some also some other people would like to know, uh, there have been some recent changes in Uganda with the, with the law. What is happening right now in Uganda and uh, how it's, is it like for people, for LGBTIQ people in Uganda? I think it has been a rover international news about what is happening. Like uh, Uganda of recent introduced a bill that was an, an anti-homosexuality bill and it was discussed in parliament in agreement of the majority of the parliamentarians 
of course, uh, helping or standing representing the nationals, of which some nationals are gay, some are lesbian, some are transgenders, some are queer people, and some are non-binary like myself. Uh, the team in the, the the parliament they all agreed to the torture, to the harsh treatment. That also came with death penalty if one is found guilty of being identified as an LGBTIQ plus person in Uganda. It's actually believed from all the East African community leaders that maybe, and actually I, I hear if when I want to also have stories from my friends in the West Africa, you find that the entire Africa has a discussion and believing a myth that says that LGBTIQ persons are not African. So they think that homosexuality is something that came from the Western. But I want to be clear in my discussion here that before the pre-colonial time, before Uganda became a colony of Britain, homosexual persons or LGBTQ identifying people existed in Uganda People like me have lived on this earth before. I'm not the first one. No, I'm not the first black. I'm not the first gay. I'm not the first non-gender non confirming person. I am just following the foods of my ancestors in Africa. It's a shame and disrespectful to deny the LGBTQ community persons their dignity and the most important right in life, which is life to life. Right to life is a key right to everybody. Imagine if I was rich, if I was everything, but I lacked the right to life. But when it comes to the LGBTIQ people in Africa, in Uganda mostly, where the law has been signed by the president, of course, it was practically signed uh, Physically, the president cannot sign a big border between the LGBTIQ community and the government of Uganda, which comes as a state force of violence. I'm not just talking about something that I've read or heard about you know, on media or, or television or radio stations. No, it's something that I've experienced. Me, I, I don't know, but um, from my childhood, I've been so different. And when you ask me, how do you identify yourself? Because now that's something that is everywhere, that you must identify yourself as something. How do we know you? Like, that's why you ask me. I came to realize to find out I was different from all the concept of people and what they have in mind when I became a teenager. Because my childhood time, you couldn't tell. I was just a mutual person. I was just neutral. I wasn't reacting or responsive to my sexual feelings but when i got to a teenager i realized i was different why because i was in a society where people wasn't feeling the way i feel as a child as a teenager you grow up and every time you try to learn about yourself the information about people like you like me in my category you find there is no history there is no voice there is nobody has stood in the past to defend the lgbtq community which is the most community oppressed to the margins of society 
with the social ways and the cultural ways of Africa, which is believed in all African countries. That's why you come to realize most of African countries are signing laws that humiliate the LGBT community. I'm not saying a lie, it's evident and it's visible in Uganda when a law is passed in the parliament. And the president who is support, who supported, who is trusted by the individuals, because I believe I'm a Ugandan, and I don't know why I'm a Ugandan. Maybe I wouldn't love to be a Ugandan, but I identify myself with a nationality to say I'm a Ugandan. So that means I have full rights if I come out to say I'm proudly a Ugandan. Now, this is when your truth is against you. When your truth that you a national in a certain country which believes in other ways, but you're different. Because my difference is not to violate. I don't call for violence. But you find because of who you are and because of the mindset of people and laws and who are leaders taking you and not considering the community you come from, you find that we've lost dignity. When they announced the punishment that came along being LGBTQ, uh, person that came with 20 years of imprisonment. Just imagine 20 years of me from now, other 20 years in jail, tortured, in prison. Imagine youths that are going to be killed in the image of the law. And how can the law be helpful in a lawless country? There are people that have lived before, that are believed to be a king of a central kingdom, and he's believed to be gay and all the when the religion came when missionaries came to uganda they preached the message but of course maybe the message was preached wrongly or the message was received with the wrong attitude for example religion cannot be a weapon we all know so you find in african countries people use biblical context like the story of sodoma and gomorrah to attack that scripture alone is not attacking any community. It's talking about the history of how other people believed. The Bible tells us it's because the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were, were hostile. They never welcomed the poor. When you read uh, Ezekiel 16:42, that's what it tells me in the Bible. I believe in the Bible. That's where my faith is. I believe in God, the God I've never seen. I believe in a Jesus I've never seen on a TV. I've never seen a photo. But I believe what he did, that Jesus lived like me. And when I learned his story, that he suffered, that he was betrayed, that the laws came against him, I get so much strength as someone of faith that Christ did not live, for, did not live his life for the people that hate others. He lived his life as a person who can love everybody. He lived his life like someone who doesn't judge, someone who doesn't condemn. And when we read the Bible that everyone is using to attack, to steer up, to destroy, to silence a community that is struggling and suffering, they're using the stories of Jesus Christ, but they're very different. Jesus came with practices of love. Uganda and my leaders in parliament and oh I respect them as my leaders because God has given us these leaders but again I'm against what they're doing I can't support them because they're destroying my own life 
And being on an international platform like this very one, I'm here to remind my fellow Ugandans and the international people because I know the LGBTQ struggle is a global fight. It's not like in Africa. I, I feel that many, even in Europe, there are many other countries that are really not accepting, discriminating, torturing, just because it's very hot. It looks like hell in Uganda. It looks like very hell. Like you cannot come out as my president that I voted because I'm above 18 years. In Uganda, I have an, um, I'm a national, I'm a citizen. So um, I have the right to democracy. I have a right to elect, put in power my president. Imagine you vote someone who says you should be killed. How do you feel? <laughs> Sometimes we speak and feel like we, we, we are hungry, but we're not. We're just fighting for dignity, nothing much. We don't have any idea why God made it this way. We are here. And in my country, before to the signing of the bill, there has been many discussions of uh, from leadership point and the denial of LGBTQ people existing in Uganda. I've had many meetings where leaders who actually came up to the signing, to the agreement of the signing of the bill, and they've been on discussions on international platforms, and all they've been saying is, we do not have LGBTIQ people in our country. Come on, that is disrespectful. We are here, and we are demanding for our dignity. This is an official attack. It's an official violence. It's support of violence. As I told you in, uh, in the first, uh, uh, in the beginning, that it is believed all over, majority believe that LGBTQ is a Western lifestyle. It's not African. Then what is an African's lifestyle? I've failed to live as an African. Is it loving someone I don't love? No. Is it relating sexually with someone I don't love? No. What happens if I relate sexually with someone I don't love? I'll spread hate. I'll hate myself. I'll be selfish because I don't know what I want. So when I happen to sit here, I'm talking of my experience that tells the experience of other people that are living my land. It's never a smile. It's hate on the street because this hate is promoted by the state and the state in any country looks so powerful and it's respected. I will always be who I am. The situation that is happening in Uganda is the killing of gay people because that's what the name of the bill, it is kill the gay law from first. And now it is signed. It doesn't matter who kills a gay. And of course, as, pastor, as someone who, like I said, I'm an executive director and I'm a pastor of a church of the community and most hated community, imagine. So it has been risk every day, every time you try to gather, every time you try to do your humanitarian work, like my, me doing my faith work, which is a calling I can't even skip a day. The government, by signing the bills and putting low these heavy uh, penalties, of people being who they are. They're trying to mute humanity. They're trying to mute human rest. They're trying to change and they, they want to live alone. That's selfish. It's happening in Uganda. I've witnessed the killing of gay people. In my congregation, I have numbers and history on my Facebook pages. Those that really love me so much to follow my church pages. Adonai Inclusive Christian Ministries. It's my page on Facebook. 
And then the uh, yeah, the same church has come up with a community movement because now we don't want to be silent anymore. We want to stand with resilience and like the audibility to speak because we are speaking of what others can't see. We are speaking. We don't deserve to be killed like others can't see. It's not you. It's not useful. It's useless to kill somebody, however wrong they can be. Everyone deserves a chance and everyone deserves a right to life. And like I said, if we talk about human rights, human rights are universal. They're not only for a race or a group of people. Human rights are universal and they should be respected. People are using the same law because I believe in Uganda we are using, we still use the Victoria law. That's the Britain law because we've accepted that. However much we've accepted independence, we've still stayed on the same law, and of which many countries are still using the same law, the British law. But you find the law is so much hitting, so much killing the gay people, in, only in Uganda, not in many others, like Britain. People are not killed in Britain. But why is the same law that we're using, which is the Victoria law, as the British colony uganda why is it the same law that is torturing me to not to enjoy my country look at me i'm not in my country i would love to be there that's where my family is that's where my friends are that's where my obis my orgies are but i cannot unite with them i cannot have a feast with them why religion culture and political uh issues have come in have come in to oppress and put down to mute people like me to speak about our human rights. The Pope said in his, uh, he was somewhere, you know, the Pope is one of those biggest, and this is the father of many believers who believe in the, in the Catholic way. Pope, Pope said, came, came up and he, and he said, being gay is not a crime. This was something that was to teach countries like my own country, my own leaders, from another leader of, with experience, listened with many people to come up and say, and he's a faith leader. So you cannot come up and tell me that Uganda is using the same religion. Where well, we are having some religious figures come up to say, please do not kill the gay people. Please protect your LGBTIQ children. That's what the Pope, the Pope is preaching. So whoever believes in the Catholic fraternity and you do not take in your father's word, then you're a disobedient child. It's because LGBTIQ community is a community like any other community. It's a movement like any other movement, just because people have not accepted our truth and they're turning to fight us using our truth. There is nothing any other. We've not wronged anyone. We've been a good community. We've been a good church. My church is one of the churches that is blessed to have a huge and large shelter for the homeless LGBTQ community. Because when I, when I, when I came up, when I established myself as a faith leader for the community, and it was very unique in Africa, it was very unique in Uganda, and I got very bad responses from public people, from churches, and maybe I guess I'll share with you videos of public pastors with big audiences, with radio stations, with TV stations, and they were coming to talk about a small church that is in place and its mission is to harbor, is to support the LGBTIQ community that is oppressed. 
They wanted every church to hate them, but they were so disappointed to look at me being a church that is welcoming to my community, to my family. Because I welcome my people because I've gone through the challenges, have been discriminated, have been stigmatized, have been mute, have been arrested. I'll come to talk about my arrest in Uganda. It was a public arrest which the government officials were employed. It was very, very sad. It was last year, 2022, and I was trying to celebrate the Uganda independence on the 9th of, of uh, 9th of October. Then when we tried to have a huge worship experience, the government of Uganda came up to stop us with no, actually with no reason, because we tried to engage with them from August. In these days, a new law has been approved clearly named the Anti-Homosexuality Bill 2023, which, considering the current provisions of the Panel Code, insufficient, pro insufficient equalizes not only homosexuality activities, but also propaganda and any type of disclosure that has homosexuality as a reference, including any type of facilitation which has their object to relations between two persons of same sex, even if adult and consenting, and not only for acts performed in public, but also the privacy of those of their own homes, those that are HIV HIV positive and they're in the community, they're denied services and of which they survive on their pill. This can be evidenced with the denial of other states denying Uganda support, like the World Bank, because of the inhuman practice. This has happened to my community, hence the establishment of Wave of Legacy Alliance Initiative to be a link and a bridge to certain challenges like health, human rights, and then wellness of LGBTIQ people not enjoying their rights. The bill received criticism from Uganda LGBTIQ group, groups, including Sexual Minorities Uganda, that is SMART, that has been actually closed when the law was introduced and Wave of Legacy Alliance Initiative, where I'm the executive director, and also Adonai Community, which is a community of LGBTIQ persons, uh, of people of faith, and those who really love will well wishers and community members. We are non-discriminative. This is what the, pres the Minister of Ethics and Integrity in my country said about me. This was ignorance. He said homosexuality wasn't natural to Ugandans, but there has been a massive recruitment by gay people in schools and, and especially among the youths. That was from his words. He says that people are recruited from schools and those public centers or social places like schools, technical institutions and churches, which wasn't right because I didn't learn my life from any of those places. But what is happening in Uganda is human rights denial, is torture, is killing, is harassed, unnecessary harassed of LGBTIQ person. That's why personally I couldn't survive that. And what we are trying to do as a church and me is to stand and rescue those that are oppressed. Since it has been our first number one priority, standing for the community, 
and being a community for a community. Yes. Tell me with, with all of this, how does one and how did you manage to accept yourself as a gay non-binary uh, person? It was after testing every pain and you believe you can live in the pain and change the pain into a better community. And that's what I did. It wasn't easy for me as a child or as a youth to accept myself and according to what was being said. Like now in my country or in Africa, it's very hard for someone else to come out proudly about who they are. They live in the closet. I mean, they won't tell anyone about who they are because they know when you say who you are, you're gonna face it rough and hard and hot. But still me coming out and my boldness, it was from my experience. So I had seen all the suffering, I've seen how the church, because it's the church that was the first place I experienced my first uh, discrimination as a youth. And yet we all expect to find peace, to find love, to find brothers in church, but still, in Uganda, it's very different. You find that it's a church, uh, especially the fundamental churches, that come with support to to kill, to fight a certain point. For example, if it's homosexuality and it's a point, churches can support can be supported in Africa. And where you find, for example, when 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 in the time of this bill, uh, we it was public news that the North America was coming up to support Uganda in promotion of this hatred and it's not so you find these fundamental institutions like church they're taught to really attack a certain point a certain community and it's all that they see as their heaven and since i have this faith with me to stand and it's about love it's about inclusion i've been able to have that confidence to stand before giants and tell them if it's about my rights i need my rights and that i don't shy so this has also helped me have accepted myself so that I may accept my community. How did you recon uh, reconcile uh, your f sexuality with your faith? Yes, that's actually a very beautiful question. Thank you, Marco, for, the, for asking. How I reconciled my sexuality being very different from the faith that I believed or I breathed in wasn't something else, wasn't any scripture in the Bible, wasn't any preacher on the street, wasn't anything because no one was saying good in the way I would really say it's good. But the man that lived and everyone believes wrongly, that's Jesus Christ that lived like me, lived in persecution, lived in torture, lived in, on a run. He was allowed to the, to the end time, he was killed, he was betrayed, he was rejected. He was everything. So that he, that one man has served as an example to the LGBT community in Africa. And I come to realize and believe that Jesus or religion is there for small communities, not majorities who think they know and they think others don't have to be. Actually, you have a very interesting story. Uh, it's not that you were only rejected as a gay non-binary person, but uh, you actually struggled with rejection from even when you were in the womb of your mom. Would you be willing to share your story and what you went through uh, even as a child? 
So from that very point, uh, I don't shy to talk about my background, my time before I existed like physically here. <laughs> there is a time when I existed into someone's body. <laughs> there was a man, my father that I respect. I loved, I tried to love even this life and doesn't love me. Never wanted me to come to this life because he was a religious man and very respected on the whole province. So this time comes, he fall in love with another Christian woman. Christian woman, and not a Muslim. This woman was old enough. She had her babies, she was trying her life. So she went into temptations with this man who lied, never told him the truth about himself. So something happened and my mom conceived. And when my dad got to know the time they had pressure with my mom, something happened and it's permanent and it's life. The guy was very mad about that very particular point to the extent of fighting me in the womb and wanting me dead and aborted. All those things, when I hear them, of course, I don't feel happy. And my mom doesn't tell me such things, but community members that leave people when I was still growing, they told me what happened. And to date, my mother never told me, but I know what happened. So I'm someone that has been hated from, from before birth to the level where we are right now. But I'm strong, and I'm stronger. From that point when a religious man, a Muslim man, met a, faith, a, a Christian woman, and they, the uh, woman conceived, and the man wasn't, wasn't ready to carry the shame of a Muslim man impregnating a Christian woman, so she tries, he tried to fight the evidence, which was me, but God, uh, being so loving and caring, my mom managed to find a place and she gave birth to me. She raised me from day one. She raised me to this age. Uh, I think years back, I tried to go back, get a true story from my dad. Then I found my dad was very like hostile with my lifestyle and still what happened in the future. And he still, he still insists I'm not a son and I shouldn't even talk about that. So I'm in a life where I call my friends, my community, my father, my family, and everything because the world that did not welcome me with love. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing this part of your life. I mean, it's not just a part, it, it is your life. Good. So you talked about uh, your mission and that you also work and live to help other LGBTIQ plus people. Now, can you can you tell us uh, how you started uh, Walai? I think it's called Walai. Yes. And uh, what are you doing uh, with this organization to help LGBTIQ plus people, especially now that you are in Kenya? Uh, Women Legacy Alliance Initiative Uganda is an NGO that I'm a founder and I'm an executive director from the time of its inception to death. 2018, I was, after I was finishing my school. Yes, I went to school and uh, I pursued a medical course as a medical laboratory technician. I'm good in medical laboratory work. So after my work, I thought, after school, I thought I could go to do my business, to work in a hospital or, and earn money. But in my school time, I was seeing the torture. I was seeing the news. I was seeing people, public officials, 
coming up on TV stations and really saying bad about the community and what the media was saying. Of course, by the time I could tell, it wasn't really good. And to my surprise, they were talking about people that looked like me. When I thought I was getting out of school to start work and start life as soon as possible, uh, it came like a calling. And I, I try, and by the time I was working with many LGBTQ friendly facilities, by the time I was in school in my internship and the first where I went to work. And one thing that pushed me into my work was the uh, torture I saw with health workers in the health places where I was really trying to work and finding work. And to the ways they were really responding and how they were discussing about LGBTQ issues. And also the denial and the stigma, the discrimination, the health workers like me by then, they were giving to people like me who came to the offices, to the desks for support. Mostly it was about HIV members that I used to see because this is a routine thing. The same person keeps on coming, keeps coming, coming, not random. So the same people were discriminated. Sometimes we're not even given drugs with words like, why do you need to leave? Like, why do you need drugs? So I was engaging with them. I got to know a lot of people from those I knew in the time of my school. So many came to me and they confined in me because they had never heard of someone who talks about their needs, who talks about their pain. So I became a vessel. And this, I was like, how can I do it? I realized from those that were coming to the, for, to the hospital for services, they didn't have home. Then that story background was a very ugly story of how the parents disowned them. And they were homeless on the street. And however, they have to fight for life. That's why they're keeping on coming to the facility where they were finding me. Then I choose to really create my home, a safer place for the LGBTQ person. I was very young and I only had medical information from school. I didn't have any other about how to do stuff. Then the only weapon I had was God. And then I had to speak to God, I had to pray. I was told God, tell me what to do. Tell me how I can serve better. Tell me how I can be a voice. Tell me how you want me to say, how send me. How do you want me to talk to them, these people? And then little, like I opened my house for the community, the number increased than the normal number that can be in the house. It was actually towards COVID. The number got to full. And then that's when we started facing the heart. We started giving healthy, healthy care services in non-discriminative places, like safe places, sports. Now I found sports where I can meet them. Of course, one of the sports was my home, where some of them were sleeping and finding refuge. Like, so it was a sport that I, I could organize a range with friends who are medical personnel like me. Then we got to the place and we offered the services. We worked with bigger institutions that are working with HIV, for example, Tasso in Uganda is one of those body that I tried. They weren't accepting. LGBTQ community wasn't a community that they were aware of, but I found ways of talking to them because I really needed the services than any work, than any treatment, than any attitude, because HIV members couldn't survive. So the more we did this, the health work, the health work, the community work, the awareness, the advocacy, like on my social media platforms, I was writing. 
God doesn't lie. God doesn't hate gay people. God is for gay people. Human rights for everyone. And my shelter service project that became a project, then the idea of health acting as a bridge for uh, to act to healthy care services for my community also became another goal. And then we also saw that there was a lot of blackmail, people, and legally, the police, people can't go to police. We became a channel and a center of legal support to the community, where in case of anything, we had paralegals, we had law students who were community members, but now built to stand and use their talent, their skill, and their education, like I was using mine, to really help in the way they could help, like lawyers or law students who were paralegals. One of the communities are the LGBTIQ disabled persons too. The same LGBTIQ person who had who was disabled was tortured and faces the law the same way. It is. It's death, it's imprisonment, but of course people having other differences and other disabilities, but again, the LGBTIQ identity also being a double torture to them. So it was very hard and they had no one to stand in for them. And also children, uh, parents with their children, there are also parents who wanted to welcome the LGBTQ children with love, but still the community wasn't allowing them. I also came up with a counseling session where I had to sit parents and their children Tell them it's okay. I'm also here. It's okay for someone to be gay. I'm gay here. I'm breathing. I'm dressing. I'm here. So with all the, those points of how we realized the need uh, that my community needed, we came up with an organization together with a team because an organization cannot be an individual uh, idea. I needed other people at which we're giving services. We agreed in the same faith and then we registered our work as Wave of Legacy Alliance Initiative, we successfully registered the organization in the year, that's 2019. In the same year as we were doing my our work, I'm a person that grew up in church, like I told you, I grew up with a single mother that was a Christian and she loved church. So she raised me in church. And like I told you, she was a leader all many years. She was a leader. Like all women were confining in her in the village and bringing her issues, fighting, like, the issues of the village that happened, for example, mostly it was about gender, domestic violence, like domestic violence, so that violence. And my mother was the only one since as a leader to really bring peace and harmony. So I really learned a lot of leadership skills from this patient woman and a Christian mother who taught me religion with love and faith about Christ, the man that lived, died for all human rights. And from her, uh, from her teachings and training me as a boy, one thing I've really mastered is believing God and trusting God. Until now, it's what I say. However much it was the same place like church that made it hard for me to live as a gay person, but still, I was that I was that person that had believed religion so much. Not even believing religion, but believing the person religion believes. That's Jesus, which is faith. And which comes with love mostly. One thing I love about uh, my faith is love. It's love entirely. Love, welcoming and loving everyone regardless. So in the same way as a child, Christian child, and to my community, I felt this was a need. After all of this you shared, um, 
where do you get your hope from and uh, do you see any hope that things will change in Uganda in the future? At the moment, I'll say, um, of course, things have been the way they are, only that today there is a backup of that legal document that says the law was signed, but things are the way they have, the way they have been. So you find that we are not even so scared. Like me, I'm not scared, I'm more strong. I have hope in God. I have hope in myself and I believe God is in me and he's in hope. I do not now get scared of who is saying what against me, against my humanitarian work, against what I've believed. I don't really care. The hope is me because the, the peace, the freedom, the justice, the equality, that we need in the world. It's not in the world. The world doesn't have these things. The world is a terrible place. The world is a dark place. Only we human of love, of acceptance, of affirmation. We are the people that bring joy and happiness to the world. But the world has nothing good for us. So my hope is good. You mentioned your mom, your mother, several times and her as a leader and how a big of an influence she was for you and inspiration. How is your relationship with your mother today? <clears throat> yeah, my relationship with my mother has been uh, really a hard one. But of recent after time and my determination and what I was doing, of course, there is a picture that I was in the Uganda uh, gift fest, and that was a bad picture everyone painted. But according to my ministry, how I relate with people, my conduction, it has really come to prove there is, it's not a big issue for someone to be gay. They can be gay and be kind. They can be gay and do some more things. Like, she sees me doing a lot of things, engaging with many people. So time came and she had to make me her friend. Me and her in this world, we are together. She's the role model I know. She has fully accepted me after the persistence, but she tried to, to try many uh, conversion therapy, talking to people, talking to pastors. Also, she believed once what pastors were saying, but also was strong and confident in the message of love I was preaching. So now she had to make a difference. Great. I'm glad. So she accepts you and loves you for who you are. Yeah, she loves me only that she cannot support me when the country says they cannot. And the reason why I'm here is because in my country I've been the, the frontliner, like when it comes to advocacy, when it comes to religious advocacy for LGBTQ person, I stand as the one, only one pastor, gay pastor in Uganda. I've never seen, I've never had anyone saying that gay and pastor and proudly and sing a message about I've never had that in the religious, in the re religious context in my country. So with the persistence, I think all people are really, they have nothing to do. Others just smile and don't. They've not forgiven me, but for my mom, she did. Yeah, great. So, if someone says, oh, I really want to support you in a way that I can, what, what can people do to support you and your work? Oh, thank you so much. The support, basically, and must be, and what everyone can really support us with, is a thought and a prayer. 
uh, I want to encourage the audience today, people watching me or hearing my voice today, I want to ask you wherever you are in any religion, in any faith you believe, the Muslim, the Anglican, the born again, all your local beliefs that whatever you believe, I want you, whatever you call God, I want you to pray for Uganda. And keeping a thought, you can support us in the way possible, basically as people that are struggling and now refugees being chased in their own country. A lot has, like, goes along when it comes to life and survival. Uh, we really love and appreciate any technical, any physical, financial support. I don't know what members here are able to do, uh, but as an organization too, I'll really emphasize to the point of financial support because now it's surviving because you know the gospel is very free but again the means of taking the gospel to the community is costly it needs money and surviving as a community and as a church and continuing with work in a hateful moment i would say financial support is crucial uh yeah right now uh though i serve in the two entities but these are organizations that are non-funded or i'll say since inception, we've never had that funding or a group of people uh, fusing in a lot of money for something or a project to happen now. We're standing as a community to say something done. If we are helping a friend to get out of harm to another safer place, so we don't look at any donor, we don't look at any white man. No, we just do it the little someone has, I contribute, then that's how it's done. But you find most of the times the needs and you don't really have ways of addressing it when you do not have money, it's hard everywhere. We only need micro support, something that is affordable. Anyone can afford if it's financial, just through a hand, through a hand, someone will be helped, someone will be fed, someone will have a room to sleep in. Like you see, it's a room we're here. But again, we have to rent it monthly. So when you don't have money for this month, then you don't have a place to sleep to. You have to go back to the street and wait when you're ready to afford a room. So you can join and be a hand by God's grace. We'll be grateful and we shall survive and live. Yeah, like you've heard from the start, things are not easy. They're not easy. And you can imagine it's hard to everyone without funds. Now imagine in our situation, with no room, with no food, daily food, daily bread. Like, there is nothing. It's hard. But we can afford all things and we can access all things because money answers to all things. That's what the Bible tells us. I believe that thing. So, I believe that very statement of money answering to all things. However, money is not everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, if you want to support the work that Ram and all his volunteers do, so at the end of this interview, is there anything I haven't asked you, but you find really important to share with our viewers and listeners? Uh, yeah, I think we've talked about everything in the day. Yeah, the, the interview was very helpful. And thank you. To, to me, this is a platform. It's a voice and it's, it goes far. And thank you for this revelation it's a revelation in this revolution it's a revelation that people like me would find imagine if it wasn't you didn't you didn't really think to have this platform then people like me wouldn't have a voice and no one uh, among the audience would have heard about my voice and what we're going through physically and 
Um, but I'm so grateful for this great revelation and the great work. I checked last time when you sent me and it was really great. And people are really, it's another support you give to people. Maybe something else I can say is also the support of the music. Personally, we have now believed we can use our talent as another platform, like Nico's platform here. So we believe the talent too is another platform that we can use to speak our story, to say our lived realities. So I'm an artist, I'm a composer, I write Afro music, and maybe I can also share the link with Mika to those that really love to listen to my Afro music because I say that's the very things I was telling you. I say my word, I say my heart, I say my thoughts in my music. And mostly it's Afro, the flow is Afro and also English language so you can understand about it. I, I talk about my story and the lived stories of the community in my music. Yeah, and we think with time we can use music to change. For example, we hope to turn this project over using music, dance and drama theatre plays that says about us as queer people. Yeah, we feel we can do much better than the hate they give to us. We can give love, we can do a lot of things. And this is something I want to start with East Africa. Yeah, I want to have East African queer music, dance and drama club. And very interesting and besides the commercial part of it we also want to use this as a platform for awareness and advocacy where we act our stories where we sing our stories and where we dance our pain so that's what i want we've not talked about that we've talked about the church we've talked about the organization my humanitarian work we've not talked about my creative art my music have managed to record these songs, few albums, and my music is very available on Apple Music and on Spotify. Enjoy those ones, and I'll be happy to see people coming to support our creative projects. We want to make a change, and how do we make a change? We want to be the resource of change. We want to be the instruments of change with our talents and skills. Thank you, Ram, for taking your time today and for sharing your story, for sharing the stories of the people you work with and you're trying to help. Um, I will definitely put all the links in the podcast description. Thank you, dear viewers and listeners, for being with us today. You heard you can help. This podcast is made in partnership with the European Forum of LGBT Christian Groups. Don't forget to support this podcast to continue being a platform for other people. You can find the links in the podcast description. See you next time when we publish a new episode. Until then, bye everyone and bye Ram. Okay, thank you so much. Goodbye and much love to the audience and to you, my host. Thank you so much for a beautiful interview. I liked it. <laughs>